This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. We like to drink beer, a lot of it. After a long night of drinking and talking crime and conspiracies, there's nothing that wakes us up and gets us ready to start the day better than just brew coffee. With a great selection of roast levels to choose from, you're guaranteed to find one that suits your style. Small batch roasted to highlight the unique features of each coffee bean, Just Brew Coffee caters to both casual and hardcore coffee drinkers alike. Since 2010, Just Brew Coffee has worked tirelessly to perfect the roasting process and technique, which has resulted in seriously delicious, always flavorful, and never bitter tasting coffee. If you're already drinking JBC, raise your mug. If you're not, raise your standards. Check them out in social media and remember, they roast, you just brew. Find them on Twitter and Instagram at Just Brew Coffee and at Facebook.com slash Just Brew Coffee. In part two of today's story, we discuss the Mothman himself and numerous sightings by credible witnesses. We also discuss the Men in Black and their interrogations of random citizens of Point Pleasant. Did the Men in Black correctly provide John Keel with a prophecy of looming tragedy? Who and what exactly were the Men in Black? And why did the Mothman continue to terrorize these people? I'm Mike. I'm Ian. And I'm Dave. If you've ever been approached by a large man with wings and red glowing eyes, pay attention. He may be trying to warn you of impending doom. This is Necronomapod. Here and they started screaming. We heard this terrible boom. And my boys looked around and saw the bridge starting to fall. Well, as soon as I heard the sound, I, of course, ran out the back door to see what was wrong with the boys and what the noise was. And as I got out my back door, of course, I could see what was happening. And I just, I stood right here and watched the whole bridge. What did the bridge look like? Well, it's like my little boy said, it was just like you would build um, a bridge out of child's building toys. And then if you just take a stick and just knock the props out from under, that's the way it went. Did you see all the trucks and cars falling? I could see part of them, yes, uh, from where I'm standing. But of course, where the trees and things are, I couldn't see too much. All right, Ian, so right out of the gate, we'll address this right now. And then I won't bother you with it anymore. All right. Will there be any Will Smith or Tommy Lee Jones talk in this episode today? No. Okay. I'll move on. Do you want to sing the song? I'm pretty upset get- about it. No, I'm not going to do that. I'll bury those feelings and we'll we'll get through the episode. All right. So we're going to finish up uh, part two of what we started last week talking about Chief Cornstalk and uh, Injured Cold. Yeah. So this episode, we're going to actually get into the Mothman and specifically get into the Men in Black um, before we get into Mothman, we got to get to one sighting that has to do with the Men in Black because it's right around the same time that uh, that injured cold was seen by Woodrow Durenberger. And when was that again? That was November second, nineteen sixty six. Okay. So this woman decided to stay anonymous, and it's her account is early November. So this happened in Gallup Police, Ohio, which is 
I think it said like 12 minutes away from Point Pleasant. So right across the Ohio. Yeah, right across the river there. Yeah. And let's just say that this this whole thing with Mothman and and, uh, Men in Black, there's very credible witnesses here. So I am inclined to believe this story. There's just such an overwhelming number of eyewitness accounts. Yeah, there's too many of the same thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. To make it... And especially for the time, there was no, like, no social media or anything, so right. it has to be something to There's the, a to lot the story. of corroborating evidence here. So this woman was leaving her office job in the evening, early November 1966, and she said when she was walking out, she saw a bright light that blinded her, and as she regained focus, she saw what she said was a noiseless, cylindrical object land in the parking lot, and two men walked out of the craft. So similar to yeah. to the injury cold story. Right. Um, Same UFO type right. um, structure or size and, and shape and everything. So she said these men were dressed in all black, wearing black overcoats. She said they had pointed noses, high cheekbones, pointed chins, and they were very tan. So they were models. <laughs> <laughs> or wherever they came from was very warm. Right. Didn't they strutted towards her like they were on the run- <laughs> runway, like foot in front of the other? Um, she said they had... Um, they had an odd accent, and she described them as like sing-song voices. What does that mean? I don't, like do 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 do. Yeah, I don't really know yeah. what that means exactly. I'd like to hear a sing-song voice. Yeah. It's probably like Britney Spears' beautiful voice, right, Dave? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> talent, talent extraordinaire. Um, they asked her a bunch of questions about herself and the area that they landed in. Which is like a common theme with them where they ask like, who are you? And that's kind of like what Injured Cold was asking Woody last week we talked about. Kind of the same thing. Just weird questions. And then she said that they got stuck on one question and asked it numerous times. And the question was, what is your time? So do you think it sounded like a robot voice? What is your time? Kind of like that? It may be or just, yeah. It's very strange. Well, and my question is too, not to get us off subject, but... They're speaking. Injured Cold didn't physically speak, right? It was all telepathically. Good point. Yeah. So this is slightly different. We think it might be the same group. Right. But it's a little bit different. Yeah. In that sense. Or at least the description of it from this witness. Right. And these these guys and the ones we're going to talk about tonight, they're weirder than Injured Cold even. Their behavior and the questions and everything. Right. Um, so when she couldn't figure out how to answer the question, what is your time? Like, they're not asking, like, what time is it? Just like, what is your time? Yeah. When she couldn't answer, they just walked away and got back in the craft and it flew away silently. They weren't as comforting as, uh, Andrew Cold either. No, none of the people saying, in this story. Don't be scared or yeah. scared. I'm not going to harm you. We need peace. Right. No parting comforting words. <laughs> With that just beautiful waffling. smile. <laughs> So that gets us to November 12th, 1966, and that's where the actual sightings of Mothman begin. On that day, there were five guys in a local cemetery preparing a grave, and they noticed something. They recalled it as being looking like a brown human being that lifted off some nearby trees and flew over their head. What do you think he meant by brown? Like like Bigfoot-looking brown, kind of furry maybe? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's a bunch of them. There's a bunch of different account. Like some people say brown, some people say gray. Yeah. You know? So three days later on November 15th, 1966, this is the famous sighting of Mothman that got a lot of, uh, that got all the attention. 
There were two young married couples, Roger and Linda Scarberry and Steve and Mary Mallet, that were hanging out at an abandoned TNT plant near Point Pleasant. The couple spotted two large eyes that were attached to something that they said was shaped like a man but bigger, maybe six or seven feet tall, and had big wings folded against its back. Um, That'll wake you up. It's pretty crazy. Um, so when they said when the creature started and they said it like shuffled the way it walked, like it didn't like take normal steps. Like it kind of shuffled hmm. back and forth, like maybe like a bird or, or something. That's yeah. That's how I kind of thought of it. Yeah. They said when it moved toward the plant door, they panicked and took off. And moments later they saw the same creature on a hillside near the road. It spread its wings and rose into the air and it followed their car and it got up to speeds that were a little over 100 miles an hour. And they said it kept up with them the whole time. Holy cow. So they, they, and they immediately went to the police station to report it. And they told Deputy Sheriff Millard Halstead that it followed them down Highway 62 and right to the Point Pleasant city limits. And they weren't the only ones that had a sighting of Mothman mm-hmm. that night. Have you ever seen the Jeepers Creepers movie? It sounds like that creature. Yeah. Kind of that wing guy. Yeah. That's what he looks like. And he, flies like that yeah i don't think i've ever seen that i saw the first one i like them They're, i mean the first one was the best one but how many did they make three it's really good i like them i haven't seen the third one yeah the first two were good though the second one was with the school bus yeah yeah, yeah it was super creepy yeah all right my homework so about ten thirty that same evening newell partridge was a local building contractor who lived in salem which was about 90 miles from point pleasant He was watching television when the screen suddenly went dark, and he said that a weird pattern filled the screen, and he heard a loud sound, like he he described it as like a whining sound. And other people later in the story will describe Mothman as making the sound that sounded like a screaming woman. Love that sound. (laughs) It's my favorite. So his dog, Bandit, started to howl at the front porch, and Newell went out to see what was going on. When he walked outside, he saw his dog facing his hay barn about 150 yards from the house. He turned around, he turned a flashlight on in that direction and spotted two red circles that looked like eyes or bicycle reflectors. Mike, would you like that if that was outside your house, peeking in your window? Oh, that'd be fantastic. (laughs) Yeah, I'd be so thrilled for that. Better than the ICP masks? (laughs) No, that would be lovely. We've discussed this. That would be fine. I was a juggalo once upon a time. The moving orb, red orbs he was seeing, he knew that they weren't animal eyes. Scared the shit out of him. I do not blame him for that. No. His dog was an experienced hunting dog and took off across the yard going after the glowing eyes. Um, Partridge called out for the dog to stop, but the dog just kept going. And he just went back in the house. To get a fucking dog out of here. Bandit. <laughs> yeah, he went back in the house to get his gun, but he was too scared to go back out again. Oh, man. So. Did he hear anything like when Bandit took off? Like that would have scared? Because, like, why would you not have at least went back out to the porch yeah. just to kind of see? I mean, it's easy for me to say I'm not experiencing that, but I don't know. I, I think I feel like I would have to go back out to follow up to see what happened, or if, especially if I didn't <clears throat> hear anything. Right. Maybe it was his wife's dog. He didn't care. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if I saw two uh, glowing red eyes, I don't know if I'd go back out. And Yeah, I mean, uh, that would be pretty pretty terrifying. The next morning, he realized the dog never came back. And two days later, when he read the story in the newspaper about the sightings in Point Pleasant, 
he immediately thought of his dog because Roger Scarberry was one of the people from the from the TNT plant. Right. He said that they saw a large dog laying on the side of the road. Oh boy. And then when they came back through, it was gone. So coincidence? We've had a lot of animal cruelty in two of these last three episodes. <laughs> yeah. PETA's gonna be all over us. Maybe Mothman took that dog and Do we know which event happened first that night? It sounds like his thing happened first. Yeah, and then he took the dog with him and just took off yeah. with that dog. Hmm. But there was nothing like the dog's body wasn't like tore up or mutilated or anything. I don't think they they didn't. I don't think they stopped to look. They yeah. just saw they just saw the dead dog was gone on their way back. Well, somebody yeah. had to clean the dog up at some point. Well, it's it's implied that Mothman took the dog. Oh, took it yeah. after. Okay. So on November sixteenth, they had a press conference in the county courthouse with the couples from the TMT plant sighting, and they told their story. Um, Deputy Halstead had known these people their whole lives because they were born and raised there. He believed their story and said that they had never been in any trouble and he had no reason to doubt their story. They were good, upstanding people. Yeah. They they were in As was the farmer, right? Yeah. I think a lot of times with stuff like this, you know, it happens to one person, other people get word of it and they want to get in on the action so then they suddenly see it. Oh, absolutely. I don't think that's the case here. No. Yeah, because there was no, like... uh, there was no panic or anything. Right. You know, I think John Keel said he doesn't believe every account of the Mothman, but like these notable ones mm-hmm. he believes were were accurate. And a lot of the reporters that were there felt the same way as the as the sheriff did. So it was all being treated as, as like a legit real. story and be on the lookout and be careful that it wasn't just like, oh, listen to these Looney Tunes. Right. Was the kid's eyes permanently... Uh Red, like they were in the movie. Yeah, so, yeah, let's let's get that. People that saw Mothman up close like that came down with, John Kiel called it Klieg conjunctivitis, hmm. which is pink eye. But the Klieg version, I guess, is more like a sunburn version of pink eye. So a lot of these people had... Got that. Yeah, and it wow. took forever to go away. It scorched their eyes. Yeah. Explain that one. Don't look at me. Hey, I told you guys, this story... <laughs> Has me thinking. News just caught on from there and started spreading. And eventually, somewhere down the line, someone from the press named it Mothman. And that's how it got his name. So the Mothman, was that just because he had wings and kind of like fluttered around? or Yeah, the name was uh, based off of a DC Comics character that had to do with Batman called the Killer Moth. Oh, okay. Hmm. And now we're a comic book podcast. (laughs) Maybe Kevin Smith will retweet us now. There we go. Didn't you try that once already? Yeah, I tried to get him to retweet us. He wasn't having it. Everyone out there, hit up Kevin Smith. Tell him to check out Necronomapod. We really appreciate it. We're just looking for that one big retweet to help take this thing off. So the abandoned TNT plant became the like centralized area where everybody saw the Mothman. And it, was, it would be the perfect place for for something to hide. It was made up of several hundred acres of woods and large concrete domes where they stored explosives during World War II. Because that, that was what the TNT plant was. It was just for producing TNT sure. for World War II. So in, in, in researching this, I found a photo shoot that this guy, his name is Joshua Dudley Greer, did on that whole area down there. Mm-hmm. And it is creepy as fuck. Yeah. All the bunkers with all the ammunition. And it is very creepy. If you just want to Google that, We'll, we'll, post, we'll, we'll, post, we'll post some yeah. stuff. Yeah. It is an excellent photo shoot in a very creepy area. 
Yeah, there was a one of the documentaries I was watching. Someone did like a overhead, mm-hmm. like just like pan shot, and yeah, the the domes are creepy. It's oh just yeah, nothing but these concrete domes everywhere. It's weird looking. Road trip. I don't think yeah. you can access it, but we can try. We'll just break in. I right. think you can actually. Oh, it's can just you? public land. It's called that uh, McClintock Wildlife Management Area. Yeah, it's just open to the public. Oh, cool. We can go to the okay. Mothman Museum down in Point Pleasant. There we go, and then hit up the TNT plant. All right, and, and then the go to West Virginia strip clubs. Like Tito's, we t- Tito's Tit House. <laughs> Here we come. Yeah. So along with the um, with the concrete domes everywhere, there was a lot of tunnels that kind of honeycombed the area, and it would make it possible for something to move around that area and really never be seen unless it wanted to be seen. Sneak up on you. Yeah. Well, I guess if you were dumb enough to go to that area, then you deserve, I guess, whatever you'd see. Because I sure as hell wouldn't be going over there. Well, well it was a place for like kids to hang out. It's like, like Lovers Lane, right? Yeah, like teenagers yeah. go out there, hanky and panky, do some necking, <laughs> smoke some weed. Do you do think some... Mothman like to watch the kids fuck? Was that was that his thing? <laughs> Maybe like, the eyes got brighter and brighter the more turned on he got watching the kids. I mean, he was looking. trying to warn of impending pregnancy, <laughs> trying to stop him. He's abstinence-only Mothman. <laughs> That's what it was. That's perfect. I just thought of uh, of heavy petting, but that was from our Children of God episode that oh, got wiped. <laughs> heavy petting. That's just such. That's such a disturbing term. Ugh. Necking and heavy petting, and mm-hmm. Mothman's there creeping on all of it. <laughs> Maybe that's the the screams was him getting off watching all this. That's why it sounded like a screaming. He was enjoying it all. That's how he shows his uh, his enjoyment, just yeah, right. the shrieking, uh, <laughs> high pitched scream. So there there weren't many homes near the TNT plant, but one of them belonged to a guy named Ralph Thomas. And on November sixteenth, the same day as the press conference. They saw, a, they called it a funny red light in the sky that moved and hovered above the TNT plant. Um, they said it wasn't an airplane. And uh, Marcella Bennett, who is a friend of the Thomas family, said they couldn't figure out what it was. She drove to the Thomas house a few minutes later and got out of the car with her baby. And suddenly she said a figure stirred near her automobile. And she said it seemed as though it had been lying down. Uh, she said it rose up slowly from the ground, a big gray thing, bigger than a man with terrible glowing eyes. Mm, so he's gray this time. Yeah. yeah. That might just have been the lighting. Right. Um, she was so scared of it that she dropped her baby girl. Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, God. Did it hit the ground? It sounded like it. Doink. Yeah. She probably did one of those things like where you drop something, you go to like move your foot, so then she kicked it too, <laughs> and, the, and the baby's rolling down the driveway. <laughs> She quickly picked it up, or she quickly picked up her. Picked it up. She picked it up. <laughs> she picked That's up nice her, her. Picked up her baby and ran into the house. <laughs> so I mean, that would have to. I mean, you have to be pretty scared if you're going to drop your your baby. Oh, fuck yeah. Do you think that if the if the people who after they saw the Mothman and his glowing red eyes had these um, issues with their eyes, whether like the pink eye or whatever mm-hmm. it might be, do they think that? While, like, right after seeing his eyes, it was doing anything to, like, mess up their sight, which is why there's, like, a distortion of colors? Or uh, is that, a, is there not really anything? It seemed like people, like, woke up with it. Like, it was, like, a side day. effect of yeah, looking gotcha. at its eyes. Okay. So, Unsolved Mysteries did an episode on this one time, and I, I watched the, the interview with this Bennett lady. She seemed pretty credible. 
She didn't admit to dropping her, her fucking kid on the ground. <laughs> she left that part. <laughs> yeah, they left that part out of the reenactment. But other than that, she seemed like a credible witness. So when she ran into the house, they locked everyone inside, and they said again, they said it shuffled onto the porch and started looking into the windows. And they called the police, but Mothman took off before they got there. So. Maybe Mothman has to be invited in, just like our other... Uh, oh, like vampires? Like the vampires. Go on that again. Yeah. I don't know who would be tricked into letting Mothman <laughs> into their house. Well, there's going to be some pretty dumb people letting someone in their house here coming up in a minute. Yeah. So, John Keel arrived in Point Pleasant in, in uh, December 1966 and immediately began taking down accounts of people who saw the Mothman and UFO reports from before the creature was seen and the whole time during. Because there was tons of UFO stuff going on. So John Keel was a paranormal researcher, right? Yeah. He was probably the, I guess you could say, the top researcher at the time. Okay. One of the top ones. And then so as the Mothman sightings are kind of happening, now there's increased reports of UFOs. Yeah. And I mean, there was a bunch of UFO stuff going on before the Mothman, but th- this whole place was just going crazy around this time because there was stuff with people reporting like poltergeist kind of activity going on. Like the whole town was just going. Well, people's crazy. TVs getting messed up, mm-hmm. like um, the the farmer. Yeah. Um, when his TV went out, poor Bandit. Yeah, he said, "Fuck Bandit," and just went back. Fuck this shit. Bitch. I'm going to bed. <laughs> Um, a lot of the UFO sightings were centered around the TNT plant. They said two cars that would just like stall driving past there without explanation. Just kind of driving weird. past the plant. Yeah, John Keel he became the major the major investigator doing all the Mothman stuff, and he said that at least a hundred people personally witnessed Mothman between November 1966 and November 1967. I mean, that's a lot of eyewitnesses. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. That's that's what makes this whole story kind of tough to refute is there's just so many people who claim to, to have seen all this. Legitimate, credible sources that have seen claim to see the Mothman or, or have run-ins that we're going to talk about here with the Men in Black. I'd like yeah. to see the Mothman. I'd be up for that. I'd rather you see the have Mothman. pink eye, dude. <laughs> Or my glasses. (laughs) (laughs) You'll be prepared. You'll have your your sunglasses ready to go. I'd rather see the Mothman than one of the men in black. Mm. Both would be very interesting. I'll answer at the end. All right. The accounts all went along the same thing. Five to seven feet tall. Shoulders were wider than a man and shuffled on human-like legs. Its eyes were set up near the top of its shoulders and had bat-like wings that glided rather than flap when it flew. And they said, too, that it um, it didn't fly at an angle. Like, it just shot straight up. Straight up in the air. Yeah. So some of the skeptics I was reading claim this is a type of uh, crane, a bird that's as tall as a human and has a couple red patches near the top of its head. And then people are mistaking this bird for the Mothman. Really? Because apparently this TNT area used to be a, a bird sanctuary. Yeah. I've seen the crane thing, and then I've seen the snowy owl. Oh, what's the snowy owl? It? It's just a really big owl that has okay. like a massive wingspan. And if I see a six foot owl, I am but running they, they the fuck away. They don't get that big though. I saw mm. it said like the biggest one was three feet tall. So I mean, I guess it's still a big ass bird that could freak you out, and then you could. Yeah. I want to put. Po- we'll post out a picture of this crane and the the what is it? A snow, the snowy owl. Snowy owl. Yeah. We'll yeah. send those out too because those are probably just as terrifying as a, any any picture of Mothman. And the other theory was that maybe one of these birds from the sanctuary got down in the 
in the the ammunition tunnels and toxic waste or something and it merged and it created this monster <laughs> that was another one i read also a credible theory <laughs> so when john keel got into town he quickly made contact with mary Heyer to help uh, conduct his research mary Heyer was the point pleasant correspondent for the athens ohio newspaper called the messenger during this time she became well she already had a column in the paper do like that went over weird shit like ufos and stuff mm-hmm. so she was already into this stuff but when this all went started going down she became the funnel for everything and she's a legitimate reporter yeah I, mean, I think she's the most credible witness in this whole story myself yeah because i mean if you read the book mothman prophecies some parts of it seem like john keel made it a little more mm-hmm. i don't know exaggerated maybe in the story a, little a bit. tiny bit here and there but yeah, I, th- I think Mary Heyer is probably the most credible person. Yeah. During all the, the Mothman UFO reports, Mary received her first visit from one of the men in black. She said this the man that visited her, her office at the Messenger was only about five feet tall, dressed in all black, had the pointed nose, the high cheekbones, pointed chin, looked Asian, had the tan, and had the black hair that was cut into a bowl style. So really similar to... The, the creatures that were getting coming out of the uh, cylinder yeah shaped UFO is the bull haircut now well the I- injured cold had his hair slicked back yeah, right yeah. yeah the bull cuts very strange <laughs> <laughs> was injured cold tall t- taller too uh, or was there not really a description because Woody was in his car sitting down I think he was the average this is the only one out of the stories that mention height. I think it was just because this one was particularly short. He came in and asked for directions to Welsh, West Virginia, and she didn't understand why this little guy would just come into her office asking for directions somewhere. Like, why? You know, she's a reporter. What do you, you know? Right. So she called her manager in to talk with him, to, you know, help her out and, and talk to this guy. And her phone rang, and so she answered it. And as she answered it, he got con- like transfixed on a ballpoint pen that was on her desk. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's how they work. <laughs> and so she was on the phone. What it sounds like is was like a you need. I'm busy here. You need to go. So she kind of put her her hand over the receiver of the phone and was just like, "You can keep the pen. You can have it." <laughs> and she said that he just let out this like high pitched shrieking laugh laughing hysterically and then just took off with the pen <laughs> gosh it's it's this man in black stuff's wild it's weird yeah it's really um creepy that's what i'm saying i would rather see mothman from a distance mm-hmm. than have this strange person just walk here into the studio right now yeah our basement studio start asking us weird questions steal dave's clicky pen <laughs> shriek laugh and leave so what do we think they are Humanoids, aliens, androids. They're kind of like a replica of a person, but not done correctly. Yeah. Yeah. And, also, and we'll see in a minute here that there it is. It's like, it seems like a person, like somebody playing a person, yeah. like playing pretend as a, as a person. And only get it 90% of the way right. Yeah. Like they don't quite know how to do it. Right. So after this visit, Mary started to get common men in black phone calls, just Strange calls with no one on the other line or calls that had noises or beeps, like electronic noises or beeps going on. And Maybe it's Morse code. Well, that goes to Betty and Barney Hill. 
because right. they heard the beeps. Yeah. yeah. So it's kind of interesting. So a couple months after the phone call started, she allegedly saw a UFO scan over her backyard with a searchlight. Which was Mary a recreational drug user like Betty Hill? <laughs> no. Okay. No. Wow. <laughs> Still casting aspersions on poor Betty. Right. That was a cheap shot. I apologize to all the Betty and Bernie Hill fans out there. Just a couple of days after this UFO sighting, she got another visit from Men in Black. So she's being targeted, more or less. Yeah. Well, look at her prominent position with the newspaper and writing all these stories. Yeah. So she said two men that were dressed in all black and looked like almost like twins, and they had the same thing, tan, pointed nose, pointed chin, the whole deal looked Asian, came into her office and asked her, what would you do if someone ordered you to stop writing about UFOs? A weird, qu- I mean, right. you know, it's just a weird question. And she was known to be like kind of a brassy like lady, not to hold back. Take no shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she just said, I tell him to go to hell. And they didn't say anything and they just turned around and left. I didn't know what that meant. <laughs> <laughs> they just like, they, they laughed and they left. <laughs> Later that day, though, another guy dressed in all black, had the same features but this one, she said, had really, like, long fingers, like, creepy long fingers. I wonder if they go out and respawn when they're not <laughs> successful in talking to her. They go around the corner and just reboot and come back right. slightly different. That's interesting. She said that this one had an odd accent like the other ones have had. Like, it follows the same reporting, you know, the same mm-hmm. thing. Like, just something off about yeah, the Yeah, like, spoke. you can't figure out what the accent is. Wait a minute. Odd accent, bowl haircut. Are we sure there weren't just a bunch of Amish people in town for the day? <laughs> Did they have unibrows? Can we confirm this? I think it might have been Amish people. <laughs> it's settled. We did. We figured this out. End of episode. See you next week. When we discuss Dave's random disappearance <laughs> and Amish tire tracks and horse hoof prints in his front yard. You've been yodered. <laughs> Along with the accent, she said that he had a really bad stutter. And it was hard, like it was just really hard for him to get out a sentence. He started out with her saying, My name is Jack Brown. I'm a UFO researcher. What would you do if someone ordered you to stop writing about UFOs? It's a weird question. Yeah. Yeah. Again, from another, from a totally different guy the same day. Or the same guy respawned. Yeah. Maybe. Or it's Jebediah's brother. Um, instead of telling him to go to hell like she did with the first two, she figured she would keep the conversation going more, see if she could get some information out of the guy. Um, she asked him if he was working with the two guys from earlier, and he said no, but he was friends with Gray Barker, which is another prominent paranormal mm-hmm. researcher that was looking into Mothman at the time. Uh, Mary said she knew Gray Barker and asked him if he knew John Keel. And to this, Jack Brown said... I used to think the world of Keel, but a few minutes ago I bought a magazine. He claims to have seen UFOs himself. He's a liar. All right. Not a fan of John Keel. No, he doesn't like him one Mm -hmm. bit. Mary had gone to the TNT plant with John Keel a ton of times, and she claims to have seen UFOs with him. So she knew John Keel wasn't a liar because she'd seen UFOs Mm -hmm. with him. Yeah. Jack Brown just started asking her, like pushing for her to take him there to the TNT plant where she saw the UFOs and she's like, no, it's the end of the workday. I'm not taking you out. And you're a fucking weirdo. (laughs) (laughs) 
You're weird and bitch. I get off in five minutes and it's happy hour at Applebee's. <laughs> right. And um, and she said that he got stuck in kind of like a loop like the guys from Gal Police did when, where he was just asking about the whereabouts of John Keel over and over again. And she said that he just kept doing it and talking about it. So she just left, left him standing in her office. Just while he was still talking. Yeah, she, she said, left. fuck it, I'm going home. I'm not, I don't have time for this. Was it like a record skipping? Or was he just like saying a bunch of stuff, then getting back to asking and saying a bunch of stuff? I don't know. That's she, interesting. Kind of like in the movies where it's an android and it short circuits. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah, it just sounded like... Whatever, she had reservations at Applebee's. She wasn't allowed to sit there and listen to that. <laughs> Applebee's. And that wasn't the last time that, that Jack Brown would show up that day creeping people out. He went to the house of a lady named Connie Carpenter who had seen Mothman. But he didn't want to talk about Mothman at all. Um, he just wanted to know about the relationship between Mary Heyer and John Keel. And Connie Carpenter's... I mean, she knows who Mary Heyer is, but she's... She only she's, knows her because of the newspaper. Yeah, like she's they, just some random lady. She's like, I don't know. Right. So he left. It seems like the sheriff in these small towns would have picked one of these guys up. You know, they're bothering people at their house and stuff. It seems odd that none of them were, I don't know, picked up, printed, something like that. Yeah. I agree. Photographed in any way, yeah. shape, or form. Something. Or, yeah. We're, we're, but we're, we're, were people notifying the police? I mean, I guess it's a small town. People are going to know and hear things. It but just seems like a strange guy like that goes to people's houses. Someone would call. You the would police. think someone would notify it's the police. Yeah. Well, or you invite him into your party, <laughs> or that. I mean, I don't. I don't know if I would. I mean, maybe in a small town, maybe I call the police. Right. I mean, I don't think I. I don't think I would here if I answered no, the door. Not, someone's no, no. being weird. Just be like, "Fuck out of here!" and <laughs> shut the door. Yeah. And go meet Mary at Applebee's. Right. With that <laughs> sassy. With that Keel? sassy attitude. <laughs> So next he showed up at the house of Mabel McDaniel, who was also someone who saw the Mothman. Which is also the best name in this entire part one and part two. <laughs> Mabel McDaniel. Yeah. Just an awesome name. Love the alliteration. Uh, she was having a party with friends and family, but for whatever reason just decided to let... Uh, well, Jack Brown said he was friends with Mary Heyer, so she let him into the party. <laughs> <laughs> Seems random and yeah, odd and I mean, not anything I would do. <laughs> This time, though, Jack Brown had a tape recorder with him, and it was like an old-fashioned one. It was large, and it had the cord with the microphone coming off of it. Well, at that time, it was modern. It wasn't old-fashioned. Yeah. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) And they said he put it on the table and was fucking with it and couldn't figure out how to turn it on. So instead of just leaving it there, he walked around <laughs> with it, shoving the microphone in people's faces, asking them questions, and the thing was never fucking turned on. And all he wanted to talk about was John Keel and Mary Heyer. And all he kept asking people was, what would Mary Heyer do if she was ordered to stop writing about UFOs? It's bizarre. Yeah. it's. Yeah. I mean, it's weird shit. Hmm. And then they said, and on top of that, he kept saying John Keel's a liar to everybody. <laughs> You'd have to imagine people in this party are like, what the fuck is, like, what, what are you talking about, right. man? Mabel, why the fuck did you let this guy in here? <laughs> right. <laughs> Real buzzkill. And then they they said that he got stuck into a loop eventually, and he kept saying over and over again, they are not hostile. But it's Mm. like, who isn't hostile? He wasn't there talking about UFOs or Mothman, really, or anything. So who's not hostile? Yeah, right. Who are you talking about? Right. 
and and right after the Jack Brown incident, the whole place just seemed to be taken over with men in black sightings. It's crazy. Yeah, I just yeah, picture so a, a bunch of people in black suits running all over town. <laughs> every grid. I imagine like like kids on Halloween. Right, like they're just right. all over the place. All these little Asian looking guys <laughs> with their, their bull just, haircuts. Yeah. Right. Oh, wait, maybe the tape recorder didn't work because he was Amish and he couldn't plug it in and use electricity. It wasn't allowed. Boom. I didn't even so, think of that. It would have to be plugged in, right? Did they have did they batteries back then? Batteries would have been around by then. <laughs> in the 60s. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, Mike. I wasn't alive back then, <laughs> asshole. Hey, we're on a uh, Google break, so batteries. I'm sure they had batteries. I think they were. 1800 batteries were invented. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that they could. <laughs> All right. Uh, Mothman Prophecies, is it's filled with, with stories of the men in black, but this one I thought was just really odd. There was a guy, he chose to stay anonymous for reasons like what happened to Woodrow Durenberger. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? um, he said he was driving home when he saw a UFO, and then a week later while driving home, he saw two men dressed in black, same features, everything, standing on the side of the road right around where he saw the UFO. But he said one of them was holding like a black box that had a big dial on it that had a cord coming out of it. And the other one was just holding the end of the cord. Here they were still trying to figure out how to plug in this uh, recorder. And they just, they had the one guy holding it thinking that was his job. And they just nodded at him. And that was it as he drove. That's just so so weird. weird. See, I think I'm leaning towards, I'd rather have an experience with them because it's just weird, creepy, and a little bit funny. I don't want to be harassed by them, but I want to drive down the side of the road and just see two guys holding something like that. <laughs> Put them in a loop? Yeah, right. <laughs> Confuse them so much they're in a loop on something. Right. I, I mean, there's just something about them that there's few things with paranormal stuff that actually creep me out, like make me feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And I think it, this is the most uncomfortable I feel about something paranormal. I, just I don't totally believable. This is of everything we've covered thus far. This one kind of weirds me out the most. Yeah. Um, and there's tons of other stories even outside of this, you know, Point Pleasant Mothman stuff yeah. too. Or just weird things like where they don't know how to use silverware and all kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah. And that, that was actually the one I was going to bring up next with the. No, sorry. No, where they she brought up where they, um, the guy just said, I want food. Yeah. And that waitress was like, Oh, okay, and brought him a steak, right. and he just was just looking around. at it. Yeah, wait, I don't, I don't know this story, huh? Did we talk about this already? It's in the book, the Mothman oh, yeah. Prophecies can, book. Let me, can I a, hear this story real quick? It was quick? a steakhouse in New York City. Yeah, and he, yeah, he just said, "I want food." Yeah, yeah something right? like that. Yeah. yeah, he didn't know what, so she's like, "Well, you probably like a steak." And he's like, "Yeah." But then <laughs> that sounds great. Then she had to show him how to use the the utensils and everything. He just was staring at his plate. It's just weird oh, stories yeah. like that, like almost human, but not quite. Yeah. 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 And she said, they, I'm pretty sure she said he was looking around at other people using right. like a fork and knife, trying to figure out what they were, how, like how they were trying, doing it. Trying to mimic with their movements. Right. Yeah. It's just really, just really fucking weird. Yeah. Another thing too, with a guy that said that he saw two little Asian guys, you know, look Asian looking guys just out there smiling at people like standing there. But when they tried to walk away, they couldn't, walk right they were like looking down at their feet trying to figure out how to walk it's fucking weird well that's me after a couple cases of miller light (laughs) have to learn how to walk and use a toilet all over again (laughs) there's a good uh unsolved mysteries on the men in black it's kind of interesting i want to check that out i forget what year it was way back where'd you was where did you watch it 
Is it like on a Amazon streaming? Prime? Oh, it has all the old unsolved mysteries. Yeah, if we can find it on YouTube, I'll tweet that out too. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. neat. It's the same kind of thing though, almost human, but just something off. Yeah, it's just something yeah. strange about them. And also in Point Pleasant and the surrounding areas, they were showing up as home at homes, claiming to be census takers. But they were asking really bizarre questions that had nothing to do with what a census taker would ask. Like they were asking people if they had scars on their body. Just weird <laughs> questions. They had scars on their yeah, body? Yeah, like they were huh. asking the guy, like, like, do you have any scars, any any tattoos? Like just weird. They're looking for specimens. Like asking about the weight of people that lived in the household hmm. and stuff. Just really strange that makes me think of, and I'm sure I don't think you guys have seen it. Maybe Dave, you have. Have you seen the Three Stooges one where they're the census takers? It's a really funny. Yeah, episode. that sounds familiar. And they end up like getting themselves into like a a, a fancy like card game party and stuff, <laughs> and like they all end up at the same house. It's really good. I'm a, I'm a Three, Three Stooges, Stooges are great. Yeah. See, I was thinking maybe since this was West Virginia, like they were confused by the census takers' <laughs> questions, like if your spouse is your cousin, do you count them <laughs> twice, things like that. It doesn't seem oh, to be the man. case here, though. <laughs> like, oh, you mean my daughter wife? <laughs> say my daughter wife? <laughs> we on, kid, me, we kid. We love the West Virginia. Let me go get my daughter wife. She can answer all these questions for you. She's real smart. She finished third grade. <laughs> oh, boy. Again, again, so much for anybody in uh, West Virginia liking our podcast. So the Mothman story, Mothman sightings were coming to a to an end towards the end of 66. They're kind of winding down, but the story didn't technically end in Point Pleasant or with Injured Cold, like the movie. Kind That's of. how the movie wrapped it up? Yeah. I, can't, I couldn't remember. I had seen it so long ago. Yeah, they wrapped it up like Injured Cold predicted Okay, everything. Um, at this time, John Keel had gone back to New York. And the end of the whole story actually takes place in Mount Misery, Long Island. Um, a woman who wanted to stay anonymous, and in the book John Keel referred to her as Jane, was abducted by a UFO with her boyfriend. None of them, neither of them could remember anything from the experience other than seeing the UFO. The abduction thing actually came out in hypnosis mm. later on. which we'll Out of Jane? Yeah, which we'll get into her hypnosis stuff. Um, but a few months later, Jane started getting the men in black type calls with electronic sounds and, you know, the beeping, the whole the whole deal. So one of the phone calls that she received had someone on the other end, she said, had like a metallic kind of voice hmm. and said, listen carefully. I cannot hear you, which th- I, mean, I don't speak. I can't hear you back. It's I that's know. how I took it. But yeah, it, they're that. probably just mixing something up. Yeah. I took it. Maybe just, I don't want to hear you. I took it as complete nonsense, like not knowing how exactly to say the mm. sentence properly. Yeah. yeah, I guess it very well could be. The voice instructed her to go to the public library to get a specific book on Native American history and read a specific page. So the next day, Jane went to the library and she said it was empty except for the librarian. She said the librarian was wearing all black, very tan, and had a weird accent like all the other reports. Yep. She said the librarian also had the book that she was supposed to get already waiting for her on the desk. Man. Hmm. So the book's on Native American history. Do we think this ties back to Chief Cornstalk somehow? Maybe. I didn't even think of that. Mm. That was the first thing I thought of when I read that because I was waiting to see where the connection is. I wonder. I didn't think of that. Jane's instructions were to look at page 42. And when she did, she said the print just shrunk and shrunk and shrunk until she couldn't see anything anymore. 
And then it came back into focus and it said this message. Good morning, friend. You have been selected for many reasons. One is you are advanced in auto-suggestion. Through this science, we will make contact. I have messages concerning Earth and its people. The time is set. Fear not, I am friend. For reasons best known to ourselves, you must make your contacts known to one reliable person. To break this code is to break contact. Proof shall be given. Notes must be kept of the suggestion state. Be in peace. Apple. Well, that's kind of ominous. Yeah. Spelled A-P-O-L. A-P-O-L. Hmm. So either either something strange happened to this woman, or she's having like a complete mental... Break with it, reality. Yeah. And also a tan librarian in all black speaking broken English in 1967 West Virginia would be a little out of place. Well, this one was in... This was in Long Island, right? Yeah. This was up back in Long Island now. Oh, shit. That's funny. Yeah. But, and she, she probably hadn't been aware or was she aware of what had been reported in West Virginia? No. And she's describing the same thing that they saw. Right. And didn't, didn't really remember or see anything when she was allegedly abducted in the UFO. Yeah. She wasn't at least consciously remembering that. Right. So she was describing the exact same thing they had seen um, in West Virginia. Yeah. So she was out. I mean, she was freaked out by the whole thing and and really confused. But when she left, she found out or realized that she was being followed everywhere by the librarian, which is really freaky. Yeah, like outside of the library. Yeah. Oh gosh. She said eventually the librarian tried to start a con or start a conversation with her, but she said there was just something off about her, and she said, "quote that." The librarian seemed like a body without a soul, and when she tried to laugh, she couldn't. She couldn't do it right. Like she sounded like Santa Claus almost. <laughs> this is terrifying. Yeah, it is really freaky. Um, she said she asked one question. She said the librarian asked that stood out to her was, um, "Is there any AU here?" Which is the symbol for gold, which is weird. <laughs> hmm. Like. Where's that come from? They're yeah. using the periodic table of elements to learn our language. <laughs> Maybe they thought it was like the alphabet and they were trying to learn the letters. Oh, and then they see there's there's like, oh, if you put these two together, that spells gold. That's interesting. Could well, be. I'm a thinker. <laughs> and then she described it as the librarian just kind of changed her whole demeanor and said, Peter is coming. Why are you interested in our mount? Peter is coming very soon. The fuck? <laughs> what does that mean? So she wanted to mount Peter. She, she thinks Peter to mount her. She thinks Jane wanted to mount Peter. Hmm. And she wanted gold to set up the yeah. mounting. Peter is coming. <laughs> mount, 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 yada yada. Coming very soon. Hmm. Okay. And gold and AU gold. Yeah. yeah. Glad we figured that one out. Yep. She says shortly after this weird conversation with the librarian, a black Cadillac pulled up by a man dressed in black a man dressed in black who had a dark tan looked Asian um, you don't say right <laughs> and a guy a man got out of the back of the car that looked identical to the guy driving and introduced himself as Apple he handed her a small disc and said wear this always so they will know who you are so she had no idea what was happening to her and he was grinning too like Andrew yeah Cole. yeah he was smiling real big oh there's that's back again Creepy ass smile. So she reached out to John Keel. She had seen, I think it, she had seen his uh, something in the paper about him no, and figured not. if anybody's. Yeah. yeah. She mailed the disc to him. He looked at it, didn't really see 
anything that surprised him or or whatever. So he just sent it back to her. When she got it back, it was all bent and looked like it had been burned. The hell did John Keel do to it? I don't know. Well, it's interesting, too, because people in Point Pleasant were saying, too, that there were little guys wearing black just going around taking mail out of people's mailboxes and ripping it up and kicking packages over. What the fuck? (laughs) Again, how did the sheriff not pick any of these guys? Yeah, right. I agree. I would see. I want to have a run-in with one of these guys. <laughs> I think it'd be humorous. I think it would be terrifying. You need to start fucking with them, saying <laughs> random weird shit they don't understand. So after she got the disc back and it was all damaged, John Keel decided he he wanted to look into it more. So he figured the best way to get any info about her UFO abduction or anything was to uh, have her undergo hypnosis. Naturally. Proven science. Any comments? Hypnosis. No, my thoughts on hypnosis. uh... (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. In the in the weird, wacky world of alien abductions, (laughs) hypnosis is as legit as it gets. Her hypnosis was a little different. I guess it it like channeled Apple because he started speaking through her. That's different. Yeah. Now we got like exorcism type shit. Yeah, and they said it. At first, Apple, all he wanted to talk about was gossip involving Robert Kennedy and Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> Hot topics for that time, I guess. Yeah, but she... 1967. She, but that was like five years earlier, right? Well, you're thinking John Kennedy. Oh. She had the relationship, alleged relationship with JFK. Okay. And then he died, and then there are rumors that her and, and Bobby Kennedy kind of had a... Gotcha. When did she die? I'm not sure. Huh. I want to say right about 67, 66, but I don't know Maybe exactly. Maybe that's why he was died. curious. Yeah, it was hot news at the time. Yeah. Maybe he's just trying to fit in. He figured that's what people were talking about. So. Exactly. Right. I'll come back to you with your with the answer when I finish this thousand page Robert Kennedy biography <laughs> I'm currently reading. It just happened to be very be fitting expert. that he was name dropped here. So not long into the conversation, Apple gave John Kill a warning that a disaster was going to happen on the Ohio River and many people would die. And John Keel wrote a letter to Mary Heyer on November 3rd, 1967. I have reason to suspect there may be a disaster in the Point Pleasant area that will not be related to the UFO mystery. A plant along the river may blow up or burn down. Possibly the Navy installation of Point Pleasant will be the center of such disaster. A lot of people may be hurt. Don't hint to anybody anything about this and the date that john keel was given by apple was december 15 1967 and on that day the silver bridge collapsed and killed 46 people in point pleasant that's creepy yeah that's wild and i think why he said to her well i know why he said to her don't hint anything because i when i listened to the art bell thing he didn't want to become a suspect in anything like if he's sitting there saying something's going to happen, then really yeah, does. Exactly. Yeah. He's going to be considered a suspect in something. But sure shit, it happened. Man, that's wild. So do we think this whole thing was a warning then? The Mothman was trying to warn people. Like Some people think. Yeah. That's what this was all about. All these little men running around too. It's just, it's, it's like the definition of high strangeness. It's creepy. But it's all tied in together this was, somewhere. So when again... Was John Keel made aware of this letter? This was on November 3rd. He sent the so, letter on November 3rd. So about six weeks later then, well, not even six weeks, 
just over a month later is when the bridge collapsed. Yeah. Wow. And I, you did some research on why it really or what caused it to... Well, one of the, the big eye bars that was holding the bridge together snapped, and there was, there was a little crack inside of it, and it's something that, based on the design, that couldn't be detected you know, during an inspection. So it was just a faulty bridge design. It turns out there were only a couple bridges ever created you know, using this, this design, and this just happened to be one of them. Hopefully none after this. Not, yeah, and I think it was... I think they replaced the one other bridge up the... It was actually in West Virginia, and they, they replaced it, but... Yeah, I think it was a you know least uh, cost-effective way to build a bridge, and this is what happened. And if I remember correctly, watching something, it said that it could have happened at any time. That they were actually surprised that it hadn't happened before. That it was able to mm-hmm. to have that many people drive. How old it. was the bridge again? I think it was built in the twenties. Yeah, way I back. Think it was on. I think car- on your the, the the notes you had sent. I thought it had said that. I can't remember. I didn't. Nineteen twenty-eight. Yeah. And plus, cars were so much lighter back then, and it just wasn't built for the kind of yeah. traffic that they ended up having. I guess yeah. this bridge was, it was 40 you know, jammed up in full several times a day. And, and like a lot of bridges in that area, because I know from driving down to Steubenville and stuff and going back and forth in that area, it had a stoplight on it, like a lot of those bridges do in that area. So people were stopped mm-hmm. on the bridge when it, so they had nowhere to go when it when yeah. it collapsed. It's probably all Man, that weight crazy. sitting on it, you yeah. know, with everybody stopped. It just wasn't built for it. And uh, like I said, the little stress fracture that you could never see. So there wasn't any way to inspect it. Yeah. Yeah, I've been on those bridges down there. They're scary as shit. Yeah. Yeah. And Especially they, that one in East Liverpool going over to yeah. was it Chester, West Virginia. That one has a stoplight on yeah, it, right? It's just terrifying. Yeah. I don't think I want to go to West Virginia anymore with <laughs> you guys. I'm not trying to go over these bridges. I'll walk around it. Pick me up on the other side. So we think the, the, the land that this bridge was built on is anywhere near, you know, Chief Cornstalk's cursed land? I mean, all of this seems to tie in together. That was going to be, I guess my question is, so where does Chief Cornstalk fit into all this? Is he the reason why Mothman is and the Men in Black are there because that's of that curse people, he put in? That's what him? some people say, that this was all the curse of Chief Cornstalk that caused all that because there's all those other disasters in the area right that get blamed that we on talked it. about last week yeah and then this was the the big one and after this happened everything stopped though there were yeah, no more everything sightings everything away. was gone yeah the bridge collapsed and no more it. men in black no more polar guy stuff no more mothman nothing but i thought didn't we have some updates on mothman i, I actually From, saw there was a mothman sighting in indiana last month so still out An there alleged today. sighting alleged sighting but yeah. that was it for this area yeah is what you were saying for the tri-state area but it's been uh it's been the mothman's been seen at other disaster locations from what i was reading like someone reported at chernobyl somebody reported it in the skies during 9-11 and that uh that i-35 bridge collapse in minnesota it was probably 10 years ago at this point so all reports seems, of the mothman being there he's connected to disaster yeah yeah, maybe. But no, no other reports of Men in Black? Uh, I mean, they go on. There's You can find other reports of them. There's, um, there's a good book, um, the case book on the Men in Black by Jim Keith. Um, yeah, and the other book is The Real Men in Black by Nick Redfern. They're both really good books. And that Unsolved Mysteries episode, the, 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 the Mothman, the uh, Men in Black occurrences that are discussed on there had nothing to do with this. So those are outside, you know separate events as yeah, well. Yeah, so that Unsolved Mysteries, it's just like Men in Black focused. It doesn't... Well, it's one of, you know, there's three or four um, parts of the whole hour. It was one of gotcha. the stories. Okay. 
Yeah, and there's a video on YouTube of a guy that um, from a hotel. I can't remember what type of hotel it was, but that two guys dressed in black that looked identical, like same facial features mm. almost, came in asking for the manager of this hotel, and they're like, "They're not. He's not working today." And then they started looking at shit on the desk, like confused by stuff. And then yeah. they just turned around, and left, and there's a on YouTube. There's security camera footage of them oh, they, wow. they look i mean it's not like zoomed in super right far in their face but they look same height same everything dressed in all black we'll send that out too yeah yeah and the guy working he said he called uh the manager right after like there's these weird dudes looking for you it's it was the strangest thing ever give him a fucking pen to click see you have a good time with them <laughs> But there's, yeah, so if if anybody's interested in more stories, because there's a ton of them, ton of different bizarre things, but those two books are good. And there appears to be a really cool Mothman Museum down in Point Pleasant that I would like to visit someday. I just, yeah, I really want to see that statue. Yeah. So what do you guys think the Men in Black are? I, I don't, this is the first story that we've covered or, or that we've discussed that I think I, I believe in the sense that there's too many credible witnesses seeing these things that how do you really refute all these people. Yeah. Um, kind of like with John Keel, I don't necessarily believe probably every single thing. I'm sure there's some people who made some shit up just to kind of get some attention. But what we heard today all seemed pretty legit and creepy. I don't know what the hell they are, but I think this one, this one weirds me out and freaks me out a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. They don't seem to be government agents, which I think some people think. They, no. Because some type of alien form. There's a, and we'll do an episode on on Albert Bender eventually, but he's kind of like the birth, you know, he kind of birthed the, the men in black. Mm-hmm. But around that time, I think it was the Navy wrote a, there's a memo. They said there's reports of people dressed in black mm-hmm. that are asking for stuff that has to do with UFOs. Right. They're not related to us. And every time we try to catch one of them, the trail's cold and we haven't been able to catch up with one yet. And that's where the term came from. Yeah. Maybe that's why the police couldn't catch him. Maybe so. Them running around tearing up mail, though, cracks me up. That's weird. What a weird... You just see him, like, throwing stuff down, <laughs> like, having, like, little kid temper tantrums. <laughs> like a bunch of little fucking heathens <laughs> just running around tearing up shit. It's a wild people. story, you guys. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, maybe they're some type of interdimensional being. I don't think they're alien. I don't think they'd be okay. aliens. I don't know. But Jim Keith throws out an interesting... Um, theory that you know the CIA in that time was going hard on really bizarre programs like the MK, MK Ultra, Ultra stuff, stuff. Yeah. Uh, remote, drugging people, yeah. <laughs> yeah. remote viewing. Uh-huh. Um, I think it was Project Artichoke trying to come up with a super soldier mm-hmm. thing, but with using L- uh, LSD and stuff, okay. yeah. weird stuff. So he had the theory that this was this could be a CIA psyop. Hmm. that was just seeing what would happen if you caused paranoia in a whole town of people. Hmm. Wow. I wouldn't put it past that's, them. That's highly plausible. Because they were doing some weird shit back then. Yeah. So what do you think the men in black were then? Maybe they were just CIA people that were hmm. out there being fucking weird to see how people reacted. <laughs> Still the male. Is make this so hilarious? <laughs> but wouldn't that make wouldn't that weird you out though? Yeah. yeah. If you looked out your like, if I looked out my window and just saw these little guys dressed in black tearing up shit, it would creep me out. I'd be like, "What the fuck's happening right now?" Yeah, 
I agree. Whenever they got these uh, five foot tall tan Asian men, then yeah, well they recruited them. Hmm. But that that's the if it's if it's an actual person, it's not like some interdimensional being or something. Right. That's the most plausible theory. Yeah, I, I agree would imagine that. so. Yeah, I would. I guess I'm on board with that. What else would it be? Very strange. You guys were the experts on more of an expert than I am on what else it could be. Yeah, so I don't know. Yeah, because then down the road, I want to do one an episode on MK Ultra and oh, stuff yeah. like that, and dive into some some terrifying real things that our government has done. Well, we already proved remote viewing is real. We proved that. Ago. Yeah, we proved this was the Amish. So just checking these things off one <laughs> after another. Um, all right. Anything else, Ian? Anything you want to add? I will add. I did do the research. Marilyn Monroe died in 1962. So it was not 67 or 66 as I had thought. So there's our fact check for the day. Nice. Thanks for the update. So yep. five years after. So this what that she Apple's died five years it. before Apple was talking about her relationship with the Kennedys. Yeah. Or wanted to discuss that. Yeah. Hmm. So that kind of even maybe furthers the thought on wanting to talk about something popular. Mm-hmm. Right. But it's not but really like popular anymore. Five years off. Yeah. yeah. Again, From, just a little bit off. She had yeah. been dead for five years. It's right. strange. Uh, so, yeah, I got nothing else on Mothman or Men in Black. I uh, just want to say thank you to everybody that's been subscribing and, and listening to us. All right. Uh, Dave, anything else? Nothing for me, fellas. We are on iTunes and Spotify and Stitcher and CastBox, which we didn't know about, but we're on CastBox. Get a lot of listeners through that, so thank you for the support. Twitter and Instagram, at Necronomapod. Had a lot of good uh, interactions with some listeners this week. That's awesome. Um, Let us know what you think. Subscribe, rate, and review, and uh, hit us up. You guys ready for a cool down beer? Cheers. Good to go.